Welcome to the SPU Voices podcast, an interview show where we hear personal stories that have universal impact. My name is Amanda Stubbert. I'm your host, and I am the alumni director at Seattle Pacific University. This is my producer. My name is Kyle Brown, and I am an alumni of Seattle Pacific University. I am also an alum of Seattle Pacific, and I'm a current parent, so we're pretty attached to this place. But the best part of our job is that we get to hear these stories that actually change lives. So whether you are working out or sitting at your desk pretending to work, sit back and relax. Let's tell some stories. Today we have Bobby Martin. He's the founder and director of 118 Designs, an organization giving job training and life skills to young men striving to leave the gang life behind. This life of service is not unique to Bobby. It was modeled for him by both of his parents. Have you ever wondered how to leave a legacy to your own family and your entire community? Then this is the episode for you. Bobby, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And little qualifier... I've known you for quite a while. Uh, Bobby and my husband, Corbett, were roommates together in college. So, uh, yeah, I'm choking a little bit on how many years it, we've known each other. We'll let that, we'll let that number go. Um, so, Bob, let's just start with uh, a little bit about your parents and the work that they did. Yeah, so my mom uh, directed a program in Skagit County called Skagit Preschool and Resource Center, uh, which focused on, uh, it it was a preschool for special needs kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And my dad uh, ran a vocational training program for developmentally disabled adults, also in the same uh, community. Wow. So how much were you involved in that as a child? Every day. Um, I, f- I feel like I was either going um, with my mom to work as a as a preschool student. My mom was really big on inclusive classrooms. Mm-hmm. And so um, that included me, too, and being part of a special needs classroom. Um, so many of my friends growing up, some of my first best and closest friends at that time and age were kids that were special needs kids from my mom's program. Um, And then I also remember going, uh, my dad, uh, during his time at Chinook Enterprises, did many different things. But one of the things that he invited me to come along uh, with him on was when they had uh, their groundskeeping crew. I would go out and I would pick the pine cones out of the the field that they happened to be mowing uh, prior to the guys coming through to mow the lawns at various county agencies, hospitals, parks, stuff like that. How do you feel like that affected you growing up? I mean, it, it really was my world growing up. My mom um, had a pretty severe disability. Um, she was in a wheelchair from, uh, she never was able to walk, so she was always in a wheelchair. She had a very rare form of dwarfism uh, where she wasn't able to, to move her elbows or her knees. So my mom was special needs, and my mom um, really taught me that I mean she kind of gave meaning to to the idea of differently abled and my mom definitely would never say that she uh, didn't have the ability to do anything in her life she 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 did it all from my dad's perspective I think um, having 
uh, aunts and uncles that that were a part of Chinook Enterprises uh, growing up. Uh, just it gave me the perspective of that that God's people are are very very diverse and very beautiful in, in their own right, no matter who they are, where they come from, or what they they happen to be considered as uh, a disability. Yeah, yeah, I have heard so many unbelievably amazing things about about your mom and and her life and her work and who she just was um, in her heart. Do you have a a memory that you're willing to share with us of a time as a child or even growing up where you thought, wow, if she can do that, nothing should ever stop me? Yeah, I have a lot. Uh, The first one that comes to mind, though, was when I was in eighth grade. My mom... My mom is a was a pretty uh, adamant Democrat growing up, and she took me to the Michael Dukakis rally uh, when I was in eighth grade, and he was running against George Bush, and we were down here in, in Seattle, and she brought my friend Courtney and I to the rally, and as Michael Dukakis was walking through the crowd, my mom, very small in stature, um, was sitting right uh, up against um, the ribbon that he was walking past, put her hand out, um, and he actually shook her hand, and she said, I need you to wear this pin, and she gave him a pin that was a lapel pin that said Skagit Preschool and Resource Center on it, and he actually put it on his lapel. And I just remember my mom after that saying, one of the things that my dad told me was that you always need to leave an impression and people always need to remember your name. And um, I don't think I fully understood what that meant then, um, but I think the significance of that is that um, you need to leave people understanding that that they're loved by you you need to leave people understanding that you matter and you are significant no matter what realm you find yourself in wow that's that's phenomenal i wish everyone could have met your mom and and spent some time with her and i think i can imagine that someone growing up the way you did could take one of two paths either enough already like you know i've seen how hard it is and the heartbreak there's joy and victory, but there's also heartbreak in, in working with marginalized folks. And, and I think you could have said, okay, that was my parents. I'm going to go make some money and take care of myself. Or you could have said, I'm going to keep that going um, with my life and my generation. And uh, we all know that that's the path that you chose. Can you talk to us about um, what you're doing now? Uh, For the last 18 years, I've worked for Union Gospel Mission. The last seven or eight of that, uh, we we started a a ministry that focused on young men from the Rainier Valley that were in transition out of the gang lifestyle. So early on, we started really doing street outreach, uh, started working, you know, through relationships that I had acquired over the years as a basketball coach, as a, a youth pastor in the neighborhood. We had a youth center, so many of the young men that I knew um, were from the youth center. I also worked at Aki Krosi Middle School, Rainier Beach High School, um, and a few other high schools in the neighborhood. But ultimately, many of the young men that I worked with as as middle school kids and, and young high school kids um, got caught up in, uh, in a lot of the gang um, activity that was happening in the south end of Seattle. The reality is that 
people that grow up in that neighborhood on one one level or another everybody's gang affiliated wait just for people who have absolutely no frame of reference can you explain what that means that everybody has some touch with that lifestyle i remember um a young man uh kevin who his uncle used to send him as a six-year-old uh through a window in in a house and kind of told him what to steal while he was in in a certain house go here go here go here you know and i think that um for the most part very few exceptions many of the kids grew up similarly to that where there was kind of an expectation that this was this was your destiny this is what you're going to do good or bad you know we may agree that it's not the best lifestyle and they their family members might agree that that it wasn't the best lifestyle but it was kind of destined uh, a path that they were destined that there weren't a lot of other choices right yeah yeah Okay, sorry. So, so then you began to to watch them grow up, being helped by the program, but also having this tie and this expectation outside of it. Yeah, and I think as these young men that I had grown up loving, and they they loved me back. These were people as they got older. The stakes and the crimes became much bigger, and uh, the stakes became came higher, and some of them ended up doing stints in prison and a few of them significant time in prison and and two kids that I'm very close to life in prison and so I realized at that time that this was the community and this these were the young people and these were men that God had called me to specifically and I think uh, as we started um, doing kind of Bible study and we kind of tried to replicate what we did with these young men as as youth but make it more relevant to their their age now we realized that jobs um, needed to be a, a part of what we were doing it needed to be a part of the discipleship process because no one can afford to, to come and, and hang out and, and eat pizza and play foosball as a as an adult. Um, people need some form of sustenance. And so I wrote a couple of business plans, and the one that we landed with, the one that was approved by our board, was building furniture out of repurposed building material. And so... What could be more Seattle than that, right? Yeah, not much. <laughs> uh, unless we did coffee, which was the other business <laughs> plan that we, we considered. But yeah, so we started teaching tangible skills um, building in the shop. Um, I had a background as a contractor. So I could, I could kind of fake my way through building some furniture in a shop. And then we started selling a lot of furniture and it kind of became something that wasn't self-sustaining by any means, but it was a way for us to hire hire some guys. And we, we started with two at one point, we had as many as 15 working in our shop. Right now, currently, we have 10. Um, and we are um, kind of in process of looking at what's next um, for us. Um, but it, it has been a, a pretty amazing journey kind of to see what my understanding of discipleship has been. And I think a lot of times we think that discipleship is for a season. And I think that, you know, thinking of the topic of, of my, my family, my parents um, growing up, um, the way that my brother and I and uh, we had a couple of foster brothers and sisters along the way. But the way that our parents raised us was really that discipleship is not for a season. Um, and even though now currently my mom is no longer here on this earth, she continues to disciple me. Um, my dad um, continues to disciple me. And I think that um, 18 years that I've spent working with some of these young men is still not the end goal. Um, we are 
we're literally doing life together and, and learning to understand what it means to continue that process. And some of the men that I work with, my own children call uh, uncles, um, and and they are now spending time playing catch in the backyard with my own children, with with Tyson and and you know Shane, my my youngest daughter. She she looks at all of my children. They they look up to the men as family members, as people that are are speaking positively, that are really acting out the gospel in their life and teaching them what it means to live a life that I, I guess expresses shalom and uh, what it means to live into God's fullness. Well, that kind of brings us back around to um, this topic of, of generational service and, and how your parents from the very beginning, day in and day out, modeled this for you and, and basically said, this is who we are. This is the life we'll lead. And um, I thought it was fascinating that, that you're talking about how these young men that you work with and are growing into discipleship and and choosing a new path, that they are actually integrated in your family and that your children know them as as, as family and, and friends. Because I think a lot of people, even doing similar work to what you're doing, would want to almost protect their family because it's not always it's not always a happy ending. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of tragedy that goes along with the populations that you're working with. Yeah, I mean, there's there are times where I feel like I've had to have conversations with my kids before I would have hoped uh, about people that um, have been lost one way or the other, um, whether in some cases um, are no longer here on this earth and in some, some cases have gone to, to prison for significant amounts of time. My kids notice, my kids, wait, hey, where, where is so-and-so where's uncle such-and-such and And, um and so we've we've had to have some of those conversations um i think ultimately though you know my wife uh, and i have really understood our role as parents um and it's not probably for everybody but for us we want our kids to understand the beauty and the pain that's associated with 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 all with anybody from any walk of life and i think that uh fana my wife has has been able to speak to some of those tragic moments and and speak not only the tragedy but also the beauty that that lives in those moments as well and can I also say to anyone who's listening and thinking, just how can you do that? You know, how can you run a family that way? Um, you guys spend a lot of time together as a family. You guys do a lot together as a family. And I think, um, and not everybody has that opportunity. I'm not, I'm not saying this is how everyone should live their life. Um, not, we don't always just have that opportunity, but I see you and your family just fight for that time to, to spend time together. Can you give us just a couple of things that you've decided? as a family that help carve out that time and that quality of time together? Yeah, so we um, we call that time family Sabbath, and we've we've made it um, one of the tenets of being in the Martin family that we have to agree to. We have all, we've all agreed to those things, and and just being together and putting away electronics and, and having conversations, going on hikes, um, road trips, whatever it might be. Um, I realize that for me, sometimes my job is is tough for me to get away from, and in many cases, it's twenty four seven if I'm in town. So for me to um, to leave and go outside of the city and be with my family. 
recently um, is is pretty paramount um, to me having long term ability to do this work. But it's also paramount for my my family. Um, there's there's been a lot of sacrifice that my family has has had to make, and so it we do a lot together. Um, but we also have a lot of distance at times from one another too, and so that family Sabbath time is is very um, important to us. That's great. And I honestly, I think that's something all of us can do, even if we can't do it as often or the same way. I mean, there's no reason you can't carve out some time to say we're going to turn off everything and, yeah. and turn on family time. Yeah, that's- whether it's game night or Play-Doh, whatever it might be. What's the dream? If you could wave a magic wand and say, this is how I would like to serve my, my family and I would like to serve our community if I only had all the time and the resources and whatever, what, what would the dream be for you? It's a big question. Um, I think ultimately, um, shalom is the dream uh, for for our community. The ability for everyone to live into God's fullness and understand themselves through God's perspective of how He sees all of us. I think that you know one of the things that, uh, and I don't know who I'm quoting here, but um, there. It's Randy Woodley. He he says that, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but the gist of it is that if, if there's not shalom for everyone in my community, there's shalom for no one in my community. And um, I think that as we consider that, I think that's what I want my kids to know. I want them to understand that that's what we're fighting for. And um, the things that I've been afforded in my life and the privilege that's been in front of me in my life is a platform for for bringing other people into the fold of, of God's fullness. And, and if I don't use it in that way, I'm, I'm not using it at all. God blessed me with a partner that also embodies that as well and, and everything that she does. And ultimately, we want our, our kids to know and understand that as we step out into this world, that's what we're here for. And, and we have to constantly remind ourselves of that. And it does mean sacrifice at times, but it also means that we get to see God's movement in ways that we never thought possible. What is something that each and every one of us who are listening to us talk right now, we can't all go back in time and be raised differently. We can't all go back in time and raise our own family differently. And we don't all have the training and and the position, but... If we all have that goal of shalom for our entire community, is there something, what's what's one thing that we can all do differently tomorrow that's going to, as a community, take a step towards that goal of shalom? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the first thing that comes to mind, and it's kind of crazy that um, my, my mind went here, but I think that we have to... Um, we have to be willing to name our children well. And that doesn't necessarily, I mean, my name is Bob, Bobby, Robert, whatever you want to call it. And um, I'm a junior and I'm third generation. There's like 50 Bobs and variations (laughs) of that name in my family. But I think that it's not necessarily the name, but it's more of like, this is where you come from. You come from a long line of folks. My parents learned from their parents uh, in, in a lot of ways um, how to serve others and how to be in relationship to others and how to uh, live mutually in relationship with others. And, and they've taught me that. And I think, you know, naming people well or, or at the very least reminding people where they come from, our, our own children or those that come after us, um, where they come from is, is very important to the work uh, that God intends to do through all of us. It reminds me of the concept of um, in the Old Testament, and not to get 
super theological, but the idea of the tamarisk tree, um, where Abraham would would plant a tamarisk tree in times where um, that were significant, it was it was kind of an Ebenezer. And the significant thing about the tamarisk tree, um, and I actually learned about the tamarisk tree through another relationship here at Seattle Pacific uh, University. But the significance about the tamarisk tree is that we plant it, and and when it's planted in the desert, it was planted for the purpose of producing shade. But when Abraham planted that tree, it wouldn't produce shade for up to two generations after him. And so he wasn't planting it for himself or for his own children, but it was for his children's children that he planted that tree. And I think that we always have to keep that in mind as we as we do hard work and difficult work of serving people is that we're not doing it so that we can see it bear fruit in front of us. We're doing it so that the um, the repercussions of that, that seed would affect generations to come. So that when we, we make a choice to be kind, be loving, be fruitful, even be um, ask the hard question, whatever it is, when we're making the choices to serve others, we do it for the eventual positive outcome and, and for love and for God and with almost no expectation of seeing those results right in front of us. And at the very least, not saying I'm not going to do that again because we didn't see that fruit right in front of us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we, we never know the conversations that we have and um, how they're going to bear fruit or, or the significance that they're going to bring. That's so true. How often do we think back to, uh, or we say to someone who we haven't seen in a while, when you said XYZ to me this one time 10 years ago, it changed my life. And most of the time that person says, what? I said that? I don't remember that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> right? So that should really, we should all remember that every day as we as we use our words and, and what that means and who those words are falling upon. Well, Bobby, it's been awesome having you here. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for how you have named your children and what they're going to do as, as, as this next generation grows up. Thanks for being a part of our community. Thanks for having me. We hope you liked today's interview and learned something along the way. From Amanda and Kyle, we ask you to rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep bringing you these personal stories with universal impact. See you soon.